at my company, every couple of years, we have to take a test at work to show that we are physically fit, specifically in order to move on to another job or to apply for another job. Well, I am ready to apply for a new position at my job. So that means I have to take this physical test. The test consists of three parts. It consists of lifting, I think, pushing, and sit-ups. Well, about a month ago, I scheduled myself for this week for the test, specifically today. And when I scheduled this test, I knew I was going to have to train because as you may have learned from this podcast, I am not physically fit at all. I'm not being humble when I say this. I'm not trying to seem like a cool, not physically fit girl. I don't, that, that's not cool at all. I'm not trying to seem like anything I'm not. I am not physically fit. I am not strong and I'm not in shape at all. So I need to train myself to get to 35 sit-ups in a minute and 10 real push-ups. That's how I would know I was ready. So the first day starts and I'm ready to start my home training. So I pull out my yoga mat and I'm going to start with the push-ups, okay? Remember, I want to get to 10 real push-ups. So what I do is I get on my yoga mat and, um, you know, I lay down and then I start to push myself up and I'm pushing and I'm squeezing every part of my body and I'm literally not lifting off the ground. Nothing is happening, okay? So I decide that I have to take some, you know, beginning measures in order to be able to get me to train to be able to do 10 real push-ups. And I do that really sexist thing. It's not sexist, okay, but the name is sexist. I, I do this thing where I put my knees on the ground and they call it the girl push-up, right? Where you put your knees on the ground. And I'm able to get to eight push-ups. I'm not sure if they were in any good form, whatever, but I'm able to do eight girl push-ups, okay? We move on. It's now time for me to do the sit-up portion. And I want to get to 35 sit-ups in a minute. I need assistance for this part because in the actual test, there is a person there who's timing you and then there's a strap to hold your feet down. For this portion, I ask my husband to come in and to time me and to hold my feet down because I don't got a strap. I get on the floor, he starts the timer and I go and I'm going and I'm huffing and I'm puffing and it's very painful. But not only is it very painful, it is so, so awkward, even though it's my husband right there. I am in the most vulnerable position ever. I am clearly in pain. I'm clearly struggling. I am grunting and he's looking at me and I'm like yelling while I'm doing my sit-ups. I'm like, stop looking at me. And, and I'm still trying to do my sit-ups. Anyways, before you know it, after all my struggles and the pain, I get through the minute and I'm left to face how many sit-ups I did in a minute and my starting point. And I did 18 sit-ups. Now, that does not sound good, right? But it's definitely a place to start. I think I can get to 35 sit-ups in, you know, the next couple of weeks. Great. So now I have a starting point. Now I know where to go from here. So the next day, I get up and boy, am I sore, okay? I feel it in my core. I feel it in my arms. I have to lift stuff at work. I have a pretty physically demanding job, so I am in pain, okay? I should have stretched more or something. But anyways, because I was in pain that night, I was like, you know, I probably should like just not train tonight. Yeah. 
And then a week goes by before you know that I haven't trained. And then Thanksgiving week comes up and it's like I'm eating food. So I can't train on Thanksgiving week. And then convention comes up and I'm in a hotel room and I'm not going to do some sit-ups on the floor in a hotel room. Absolutely not. And then convention is over and I get COVID. I'm not going to train during COVID. Before you know it, a whole month has gone by. These weeks have gone by. I haven't trained. I still have only done 18 sit-ups and eight girl push-ups. And so my test was scheduled for today. And uh, I went into work and I canceled that test. I did not take it. Listen, I still believe that with the proper training and exercise, I can pass this test. But here's my question. Why does this thing that is actually good for me, okay? Exercising makes me healthy. This thing that helps me to grow, to get strong. Well, why does it feel like a punishment when I'm doing it? Why is it so hard? Could something that brings me pain actually help me to grow? Well, in John chapter 15, Jesus actually talks about this process called pruning with his disciples. What some may view as a very painful process, but how it is necessary for growth. We see this when Jesus says, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Let's talk about it. Welcome to the Basic Bible Babe podcast. I'm your Basic Bible Babe, Brooke Ashley. And I'm not a theologian, but chances are you aren't either. But you don't have to be one to understand and fall in love with the Bible. So here, the goal is simple to motivate each other to move past those things that stop us from reading the Bible and to become a people that understand and appreciate the Bible for what it is, incredible. So remember, the Word of God is for you and it's relevant to your life today. Let's dive in. Hello to my basic Bible babes and bros. I'm so happy to be back today. What was supposed to be a two-week break obviously turned into a whole month break, but it was a very, very awesome and fulfilling month. We had the Thanksgiving holiday. I went to convention, which is a convention for um, the assembly that I am part of, the Apostolic Assembly. I was able to be on the worship team there and it was so much fun, but boy, I that convention, you guys, wiped me out cold turkey. I was so exhausted during convention and after convention. And it was definitely because we were praising so hard. It was wild, but I had so much fun. But yeah, after convention, I was completely physically drained. So I was drained, right? But then after that, less than a week later, I had a live recording to be a part of. And then I got COVID. And that set me on a spiral, you guys. So on a serious note, I kind of want to talk about like like the post of this busy season that I've had for the past four or five months. I've been in this busiest season of my life. I've never, I don't have kids, right? So when I say I'm busy, I'm sure you're busier, right? Whatever. But I was in the busiest season I'd ever been in my life. I was ministering a lot and I kind of think I bit off more than I could chew. Whatever, here we are. (laughs) I learned from my mistakes. And I say all that to say this, I was about three steps away from burnout, you guys. My body was physically exhausted. 
I was crying all the time and I desperately needed a break. So I took a break from the podcast for a little bit. But thankfully, for real, for real, in Jesus, I found very, very good rest. He um, specializes in that. And I found peace for my mind and inspiration to be here again. So if you are back, I want to thank you because you are a real basic Bible babe or bro. Enough about me. Let's go ahead and get back into John. I'm really excited to be talking about John again. Today we were supposed to be covering John chapter 15 and 16. But as I started writing this episode, John chapter 15 had so much goodies that were specifically like speaking to me. I was like, geez, John, you did something here. So I really want to just dive into John chapter 15 today and we'll cover 16 next week. Uh, But let's go ahead and talk about it. Um, Here's a quick refresher of where we were because it's been a month for some of you guys who are listening in real time. Jesus is at the end of his time on earth, so he stole away to have a private dinner with his disciples. And after Jesus washes their feet, Judas leaves to go betray Jesus. So Jesus now has some final words for his disciples. And thus begins chapter 15. It's in the middle of his final message. Jesus starts with our opening scripture. He says, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. What does it mean to prune? A lot of you guys probably know the process of pruning, but I want to give you um, the definition. In agriculture and plants, pruning means to cut off or cut back parts of something for better shape or more fruitful growth. So you would prune a tomato plant. You would cut off some of the leaves or excess vines, or you would prune a grapevine. And God does this with us. He prunes us. He cuts off parts of us or our lives in order for us to have better growth. So there's good news and there's bad news with pruning. The bad news is that pruning is painful. It requires a cutting off. Just like we mentioned in the beginning of the podcast, pruning can feel like a punishment. I want you to hear that again. Pruning can definitely feel like a punishment. When God is cutting things off of your life, when he's taking away the unnecessary things, it can feel like you're being punished. But that's why Jesus is giving us this warning. Jesus is no longer going to be here to reassure his disciples. So Jesus wants to remind them, when you're being pruned, God is not punishing you. He's pruning you. So he needs to remind his disciples for the future that when God is seemingly cutting things out of your life, whether that be job, people, ministry, Whatever it may be, it's part of the pruning process. And there's good news about pruning. If you are in a season where you are being pruned, or if you've ever been in a season where it seems like a lot of things are falling away from your life, here's good news. If you're being pruned, then that means that you have a history with Jesus of growing good fruit and You have an expectancy from God to grow more. There is potential in your life to grow more fruit. Sometimes we find ourselves in the middle of a pruning season and we get mad at God or at people because we feel like we're being unjustly punished. 
why is this coming away from me? Why do I have to lose my job? God, why do I lose my health? Why did I lose whatever it is that I lost? And we get angry at God because we feel like we have been good children, right? We've abided with Christ. We've done everything that we're supposed to do. Why am I losing here? But I'm here to remind you, do not give up in the pruning season. Don't give up when it feels like punishment, like I did with my training for work, but keep moving forward and believe that you are going to bear fruit soon. Here's the question. How do we bear fruit? Jesus answers this. We can only bear fruit when we abide in Christ. We literally cannot bear fruit without Christ. And if we aren't abiding in Christ and therefore we're not bearing fruit, we are thrown into the fire. We're useless to God. Jesus makes a really bold statement next. And he says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. What a crazy statement. I have absolutely been working on this statement in my own life. First of all, the Bible says that if you abide in me and my words in you, you can ask whatever you wish and you will get it. So in order to achieve this, right, the Bible says that we have to abide in Christ. But what does it mean to abide in Christ? Jesus says in verse 10 that to abide in the love of Christ means to keep his commandments. So one, Jesus wants us to keep his commandments. The things that he's telling to us right now in his final moments, right? Any commandment that Jesus has ever had, he wants us to keep his commandments. But also, Jesus says that his words should abide in us. So we need to abide and keep his commandments, but also he needs to be abiding in us and his words. And how do we get his words to abide in us? Well, we should be spending time with the Lord, reading his word, talking to him. And when we do this, not only will we bear fruit, but we now also gain access to the inventory of Christ. We can ask for whatever and he will give it to us. What a bold statement. But why can Jesus make this bold statement? Because when somebody truly abides in Christ, the things that they ask for are different than what somebody who doesn't abide in Christ would ask for. All of a sudden, it's not about prosperity or it's not about wealth or even self, but it becomes about kingdom and kingdom work. When somebody abides in Christ, they take on the mindset of Christ. And Christ, as we know, he's all about kingdom. Nothing is for self. So when you have the mindset of Christ, your prayers look different. You're asking for the healing of others. You're asking for spiritual gifts. You're asking for things that enrich the body and the kingdom of Christ. When you take on the mindset of Christ, Jesus can trust you with his heavenly inventory. That is so crazy to me, all of this that we have access to and how much we sometimes live below our means because we're not tapping into that heavenly inventory that we have access to. But this process also requires faith. 
I don't know about you, but sometimes when I am doing kingdom work, I begin to get afraid to ask Jesus for something, whether that's healing for somebody else or anointing, but it's because I feel unworthy or like a hypocrite or like I'm being selfish or I am asking for anointing for the wrong reasons. And I I truly have struggled with this all my life. And I remember one time I was in prayer and I was actually in this room and I was praying and I, and I was struggling with this feeling where I was feeling like, you know, not real. Like I was playing a game. And as I was sitting there, I always meditate before. And as I was meditating, getting ready to start my prayer, I do five minutes of meditation. I just felt the Holy Spirit say to me, you are not an imposter. You are a child of God. You are not playing a part. You are a child and you have authority in my kingdom. We have communion together. And this simple statement and this simple idea, it changed my life. When I get up to sing or pray for somebody, I first of all can trust that this is not a game to me my relationship with God. I am not playing a part. I am not an imposter. I am a child of God. I abide with Jesus. His words are in me. Every day I take in more of his words. And because of this, Jesus has given me authority and access to his heavenly inventory. Jeez Louise, that is insane to me. That is such good stuff. This is why it is important that we know our word because we have been given so many promises in the word. Sometimes we, we say that statement a lot, right? Like God keeps his promises and he's a man of his word. But then we think like, God hasn't given me any direct promises. Yes, he has. It is all in the Bible. You have so many promises that you can look forward to, but you cannot claim them if you don't know that they're there for you. And we as a body of Christ, we live under our potential in Christ when we don't claim our promises, when we don't claim the things that have been laid out in the word for us. Jesus knows that these promises are a comfort to them. He says this to give them joy because remember for them right now, they're in a really dark time. Jesus is about to die. They're sharing their last meal with him and they're probably very afraid, but Jesus wants to leave them with joy and with comfort and with encouragement. He's always thinking about others. He's always thinking about what will benefit the kingdom. And Jesus directly calls these men his friends. He says that they need to love each other just as Christ has loved them. And greater love has no man than this, that someone would lay down his life for his friend. So Jesus is saying, okay, you need to love each other like I loved you and I died for you. So you need to have a lot of love, right? (laughs) That's no pressure at all. But it just shows you how important it is for us to love our fellow disciples. And I'm not talking about just your Christian friends or even just your church, which is a struggle within itself, right? There are some people in your church who you struggle to love. Maybe that's just me. I love, okay, I'm very blessed. I have awesome people at my church. But I know that sometimes we don't get along with everybody. But it's not even just talking about your church body and the people that you're close to. 
It's not even just talking about your denomination, but the church body at large across the nations. Stop fighting and bickering with them. Jesus said in chapter 13 that our love for each other will show the world who we are. But sometimes it feels like the opposite, right? Like the church is known for being petty and bickering and being angry with each other. But Jesus has a simple statement. Love each other. The church body should love each other. It's a simple commandment from Jesus to his friends, the disciples, but also you and I. We are friends with Christ. But Jesus further wants to seal their identity in Christ, and so also ours. He no longer will call them servants because they know everything that the Father told Jesus. There are no secrets between Jesus and the disciples. Jesus has chosen them specifically to bear fruit, but also you. This chapter is such a beautiful chapter if you struggle with identity and identity in Christ. He is very reassuring in his final moments with his disciples because he will no longer be there physically to tell them the truth. So they have to take on this truth from him right now. He is very reassuring in his final moments because he knows how much identity affects a disciple. It's why the enemy often tries to attack our identity, confuse us, and make us doubt our status as children of God. Because if he can, then we will not have access to all that God has for us. But being a child of God comes at a cost. Jesus reminds them that the world is going to hate them. But be rest assured that they hated Jesus first. And if they persecuted Jesus, they will also persecute you. Once again, this is a very reassuring statement. <laughs> it doesn't seem like it, but let me explain why. Because when you are being persecuted for your beliefs, it's very easy to start questioning what you believe. But Jesus is reminding them that even if the entire world is against you, I am still the way. I am still the truth. You do not have to doubt. But instead, it's our job to help the world to believe in God. And how will we do that? Well, with the help of the Helper, the Holy Spirit. Together with the Holy Spirit, we will bear witness about Jesus Christ. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, we will testify not only with our words, but with miracles, signs, and wonders, just like Jesus used to testify about himself. And that is chapter 15. So next week, we will cover John chapter 16 and 17. And is John just not such a beautiful chapter? I have loved learning about Jesus' final moments with his friends. He has so much encouragement to give us. I want to ask you to follow us at The Basic Bible Babe on Instagram. Go ahead and send me a DM of any topics that you would like to talk about at the top of the episode. Give us a review and follow us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. If you're watching this on YouTube right now, I'm going to ask you to like this video and subscribe to the channel. But most importantly, I am asking you guys to keep reading. Abide in Christ and let his words abide in you. Don't give up in the middle of a pruning season, but rather keep moving forward in Christ to bear fruit. You can do it with the help of the Lord. I know you can. By the way, I scheduled a new physical test date at work, December 27th. Pray for me.